What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North. We are back for episode two of the relaunched Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast, formerly known as the Frogs of War Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining in and for the continued support. We have some TCU football to talk about this evening, this Sunday evening. We will uh, talk about fall camp. We will also preview the Colorado matchup Saturday, September 2nd at Amon G. Carter Stadium, 11 a.m. Be there, be early to support the Horned Frogs. We'll also hit on some soccer and volleyball items, both teams getting their season started. Fall sports are well underway, and it is exciting to be back once again. Anthony, how's it going? Oh, man, it's great. I'm so glad football's back. Got to watch a very little bit of this. The week zero is fun just to have real football on the TV and uh, see some some big teams out there making big plays. So it's been fun, but I, I am so excited for this Colorado game, for that national spotlight on our Horn Frogs and uh, seeing what they come out and look like after, you know, a, a very long off season since the national championship game. So a lot to talk about here. Yep, caught a little bit of NFL preseason this weekend as well, continuing that from last week. A lot of TCU guys still competing for NFL roster spots, and I had my first high school game to cover uh, Friday night here in the Chicagoland area. So the high school season, the college season, the NFL season, they're all coming together here. So super exciting as a football fan. Oh, yeah. uh, let's go ahead and get into the podcast here. Just a couple of quick plugs. As you know, if you tuned in last week or if you did not tune in we are now partnered with the 1012 network extremely excited about that partnership the 1012 network currently has i believe 15 podcasts that cover all of the programs in the big 12 if you would like to support please consider donating to the patreon that was just launched go to patreon.com forward slash tn12 network if you'd like to support both of us here on Frogs Up and the 1012 Network as a whole. Also, we are continuing our partnership with Charlie Hustle. I have my Charlie Hustle TCU throwback. Anthony's got his on. Go to www.charliehustle.com. Use the promo code FROGSOWAR. Get 15% off your order. The Colorado game is going to be here before we know it. Get some TCU swag. Charlie Hustle just re- uh, released a line of some really cool TCU stuff, so go online, check that out. Also, we are partnering with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy sports with a wide variety of stats to choose from, including yards, touchdowns, and more. Prize Picks features mixed sport entries, so if you want to make entries for NFL and NCAA action at the same time, you can do that. Prize Picks offers every sport from football to basketball, baseball, college sports, and more. Download the easy-to-use PrizePicks mobile app and make your entries in as little as 60 seconds. PrizePicks is safe, offers fast withdrawals. Use the code FROGS12, that's promo code FROGS12, for a $100, uh, 100% deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. Anthony, I know you use PrizePicks. Shed a little yeah. light here. Yeah, man. Prize picks is fantastic. Here in Texas, you know, the actual sports gambling is not legal, all of that kind of thing. But prize picks is a great way to get in with with daily fantasy sports. You can, you know, you're a lot of those daily fantasy sites, you're playing against, you know, uh, thousands of people, millions of people, and, and they're, you know, putting in 
a bunch of different entries and all of that, but this is just you against the number. So, you know, you're, you're picking more or less on a particular stat and, and it's just, it's more of a, how do you feel that you can, you can take down the number that's posted there? So um, it's, it's the best way here in Texas, the best legal way to, to get some action on, on these games. It's, it's really terrific. And yeah, frogs one, two uh, frogs, 12 gets you a hundred percent. It's free money guys. A hundred dollars um, for free, and right now there's a, a free square up there. So um, they've got a, a promotion already going on there, where uh, Dak Prescott throws for one yard um, in the first week of NFL. It it hits. So you've already got one free square. Just go in there, make a pick on anything. Um, college football uh, stats will be up there for this week one later this week and we'll probably have some coverage on frogs of war on that just see where see where the frog i'm sure there'll be some numbers for tcu in colorado so anyway i love prize picks it's super fun and guys this is this is free money go in frogs one two and uh go go win and speaking of tcu football let's get into some fall camp items because anthony i know you've been out to some of TCU's practices this month, uh, TCU kicking off fall camp on August 1st. One of our other correspondents, Miles Perry, I believe was also out at a practice earlier this summer. Fall camp has since wrapped up, but there were a couple of storylines that developed that we want to hit on here real quick. And the first one is the quarterback position and the uh, lack of depth that TCU currently has on the depth chart. And this is a storyline that goes back really to the end of the season and spring camp because TCU as many fans know lost Max Duggan to the NFL draft he's currently with the LA Chargers Sam Jackson transferred out to Cal Berkeley he's since been named the starting quarterback for the Golden Bears so congratulations to him but that left Chandler Morris and Josh Hoover as the only scholarship quarterbacks on the roster and we talked about Sawyer Robertson Walker Howard Jaden Rashada, who's been named the quarterback uh, starter at Arizona State. TCU was not able to get any of those guys. They ultimately did get a post-spring transfer addition in Oregon State's Chance Nolan. He's a veteran quarterback, was the starter for the Beavers in 2021, didn't play so well last season, lost his starting job. Obviously, DJ Uyagalele is out there now. He's been named the starter for Oregon State in 2023. And so Chance Nolan arrived in Fort Worth with an opportunity to compete for the starting job. Multiple reporters noted that he was not very high up on the depth chart as fall camp was getting started and going uh, underway. And I was curious because there were some rumors coming about on social media that he, he wasn't attending practice and there weren't any reports about any injury. So I tweeted directly at Steven Johnson, who's the new uh, TCU beat writer for the Star Telegram started last year, so not so new, but he responded to me directly and said that he's gone. Chance Nolan is not with the program anymore. He's not on the roster if you go to gofrogs.com. So unfortunately, TCU at the quarterback position is back to square one. And I think a lot of Frog fans have confidence in Chandler Morris and his talent, his abilities. We've seen it. However, the depth is a serious concern, in my opinion, when you consider that Morris has had some injuries. He had a shoulder injury 
at the end of 2021. He had the knee injury, obviously, last season where he missed some time. Josh Hoover is only a redshirt freshman who hasn't really gotten any live action. I know he looked good in the spring, and he had some some big steps forward that he took in fall camp. But, Anthony, what are your thoughts on what you've seen from the quarterbacks, and specifically what do you make of just the situation right now with the depth chart? Yeah, I think the Chance Nolan thing is very curious. I mean, I don't know if he came in and thought that he was just going to be handed this starting job or, you know, I because having Chandler Morris on the roster who earned the starting job last season, I think he, throughout this process, has continued to look like the, the top quarterback. Um, so, it, you know, I, I don't know what he may have been told in the process of transferring to TCU that whether he was given a chance or whether he was definitely going to be the guy or what. But, yeah, I mean, he was out there for, I, I think, two practices in fall camp um, and then was no longer out there. Um, and, you know, there was some rumors going around. There was social media stuff going around, but really he was just absent from practice. Um, and he, he looked relatively okay in, in that first, the first practice that I saw out there. I mean, he, he hit some deep balls. He looked like a quarterback. I mean, he, he's built like a quarterback. He looks like he's, uh, meant to be out there playing quarterback, but he was most certainly behind Chandler Morris on the depth chart, in my opinion. And I, th I think it would have been a, a pretty good battle between him and Hoover for the number two role. Um, for going forward, now that Hoover is very much secure in, in that number two spot, the, the thing about quarterback depth is if you are needing to go to your third quarterback, you're in trouble anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, whether that third quarterback was going to be Chance Nolan or whether it's going to be somebody else now, um, TCU would have been in trouble. Um, you know, I, I think we we saw that a few times through the season last year where, uh, you know, like in the Kansas State game, they had to throw a third string quarterback out there for one drive and that didn't go very well. Um, so I, I think that, yes, there is some concern that there's there's no Max Duggan waiting behind Chandler Morris. I think that's Josh Hoover is is not to the experience level or or to the performance level of Max Duggan. So we need Chandler Morris to be healthy. I think that's for for the Horn Frogs to be successful. That is probably priority number one. Josh Hoover, I imagine, can come in and do an okay job, but um, from from what I've seen, I think Chandler Morris is very clearly the guy and, and is a, a tier above at this point and, and needs that offensive line to keep him clean. Yeah. And looking at this offense, although the depth that quarterback may be a bit of a concern, I think the depth that every other position group on that side of the ball looks very good with the tight end position. Jared Wiley's back for his second season. Chase Curtis is a converted wide receiver. That looks like he may be the number two tight end. You also have Deandre Rogers, who's a former four-star guy. The transfers that we've talked about at wide receiver coming in, John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State, JoJo Earl from Alabama, Jalen Robinson from Ole Miss, Jack Beck from LSU, and Dylan Wright from Minnesota. All of that to go along with Savion Williams and Cordell Russell, DJ Allen. There's an incredible wealth of talent at wide receiver. And then the running back position with Amani Bailey back for his second run, 
with the Frogs and Trey Sanders coming over from Alabama. Anthony, what have you seen from some of the other position groups on the offensive side, and what are your thoughts on, on just from what you've seen there? Yeah, what stands out at wide receiver is the depth is just incredible. I mean, to think what this wide receiver room lost going into this season, um, you know, probably top four or five. Savion Williams is the only returning receiver out of the top six wideouts uh, from last season. So that's that's a big loss, and it could have been a big, big hole on this roster. And TCU just fully restocked the cabinet here. Um, I mean, these, these guys are very talented, um, route runners, great with their hands, um, extremely physical size. I, this it's, it's hard to imagine losing the group that, you know, all these NFL draft picks, Quentin Johnston, first round draft pick. And to think that the wide receiver group may be as a whole better, it's hard to imagine, but I think it's the case. I think there's, there's some underrated guys who like this Warren Thompson from Arkansas comes in and I think he's he's right away somebody who's been very impressive Cordell Russell true freshman been very impressive in in the practices um so I mean I think these guys are going to give Chandler Morris every opportunity to have a big big season um I don't I don't see any drop off there I think you know it's hard to say like there's an alpha dog. There's no Quentin Johnston. I don't think, I don't think there's a, I don't know that Savion Williams will step up to be a superstar alpha number one. Uh, it's possible. It's in, it's certainly within the realm of his, his capabilities, but just because there's so much talent throughout this roster, it's, it's going to be, there's a lot of toys to play with there. Um, I think the tight end position, a lot of depth there. You know, I, I think, DJ Rogers and and Jared Wiley are terrific. Um, I think that there will be a lot of packages where Wiley will kind of split out in a in a slot where it he he'll be standing up um, in a lot of cases where maybe he's running a route, maybe he's dropping down the block out of that spot. That will cause a lot of confusion for defenses. That he's going to be a, a big time weapon um, to use in a lot of different ways for this offense. So a lot of a lot of great stuff there. I think from the running back position, you have two top line guys who um, do everything pretty well. Um, Bailey and Sanders are probably RB one A and one B. We should we're expected to see a depth chart um, here this week, and I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of oars next to the running back names, certainly at the top two, maybe through four or five. Um, you know, Corey Wren has been pretty impressive in practice as well, catching passes out of the backfield, um, picking up blitzes, stuff like that. So I think he will, he, he's stepped up uh, from where he was last season and, and Cameron Cook as well, a true freshman. I think, I think he will get some play um, when given opportunity. He'll, he'll take uh, a big step as well. And on the offensive line, you have some stalwart tackles back from last season and Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman. From what I've read, they've been getting a couple of different looks at some spots on the O-line. Andrew Coker has primarily been a right tackle. I think he's gotten some looks at left tackle and may very well be uh, the number one left tackle on the depth chart. Brandon Coleman, he's played guard. He's played tackle. He's a guy who can move around a little bit. 
Uh, Colton Deary, the Maryland transfer interior lineman, looks like he's going to be competing for the starting center position with uh, John Lands, who's a veteran guy back for another season. He was named, I believe, to the Remington Trophy watch list uh, a few weeks back. So TCU is going to have some talent on the offensive line returning. And defensively, this is where there appears to be some preseason hype with, with this group. It's the second year under Joe Gillespie. Uh, and that 3-3-5 defense, you have several linebackers returning like Jamoy Hodge and Johnny Hodges, Shadrick Banks, Marcel Brooks. And then in the secondary between Bud Clark and Josh Newton and Mark Perry and Miller Bradford, there is a lot of depth and talent on this defense. Uh, a lot of hype that this could be TCU's best defense in several years. Anthony, what are your early impressions on the defense from what you've seen in fall camp? Yeah, I, again, think that this defense is better than last year's defense. Um, And I think in a lot of ways, that secondary is extremely deep, talented, a lot of experience, Um, and a a lot of guys who do different things. I think that that Clark and Perry, um, they – that's a good combo together. I think they they will work well together. I – I do think Avery Helm is leading the way at the cornerback two position, um, but a lot of good options behind him. I mean, Mason White's looked really good. Channing Canada's looked really good. So I think um, whoever they're running out there at cornerback, several layers deep into the the depth chart, um, you should feel a pretty confident. Um, some true freshmen really stood out as well. But yeah, I mean, and then Josh Newton is just a, an absolute dog. He is clearly, I, I think he's clearly the best player on this football team. Um, he is an incredible leader. He's a, a vocal example, a teacher on the field um, and on the sidelines. I think that, um, you know, I, the Horn Frogs are very blessed to have brought him in from Louisiana Monroe before last season um, and to continue to keep him on this roster uh, into this 2023 season. I think he is poised for, for big, big things uh, ahead at the linebacker position, you know, obviously bringing back Jamoy Hodge and Johnny Hodges. Um, those are, are really top tier guys. And uh, I think Jamoy Hodge may be in line for a big time breakout, um, you know, to where he's getting noticed more on the national stage in that uh, kind of the way that D winners, broke out last year from a, you know, a really talented guy had been doing a lot of really good things, but now he's taking that next step to, um, you know, an NFL draft pick getting uh, first team all conference, you know, really putting incredible uh, production on the field. Um, And then at that position that D winners kind of vacated uh, Namdi Obiazor, that's close enough. Um, so, sorry, Namdi. Um, it has stepped down from a safety role and is leading the way there. I think he's um, obviously he's got the speed, he's got the coverage, but he's really uh, shown that physicality uh, to be able to step in there on on pass plays, maybe run some blitz package, maybe some spy stuff on Shador Sanders, running quarterbacks like like Shador Sanders in this Colorado game. So I think he will have a big role. Uh, going forward, probably the biggest question mark, maybe the biggest question mark on the whole team is that defensive line. Um, Dominic Williams is terrific 
and looks to be a, a dominant, dominant force in the middle of that defensive line this season. But um, I think it, it's still uh, kind of a question mark about how the two ends are going to shake out there. And I, I, I think um, Paulo Iwale is probably the, the, the top candidate to get um, kind of that Dylan Horton production from the, the defensive end position. And I think he's primed for, for a step up as well. Um, but that's probably the one to watch where you've got a couple of true freshmen in Avion Carter and Marcus Deal who will probably need to really contribute right away uh, for that defensive line to be successful. So um, I know I've been rambling here, but I, I think that the defense is going to be super strong and I'm, I'm excited to see them take on some of these uh, these big talents from the Colorado team here on Saturday. Absolutely. And on special teams, you'll have a couple familiar faces, Griffin, Kell, Jordy, Sandy, they're back for one more go around, but you lose Darius Davis on special teams in the return game. So a couple of guys to keep an eye on there. I think major Everhart is a young player, really good athlete could be a factor in the return game. Also Jojo Earl and Jalen Robinson, the two speedster wide receivers could be a factor there as well. So we'll see if Last year, Darius Davis was able to make some magic happen in the return game against Colorado. We'll see if TCU can uh, turn in another highlight special teams play as TCU gets ready for week one, Saturday, September 2nd, 11 a.m., Amon G. Carter Stadium, TCU versus future Big 12 opponent Colorado. Not there yet, but Deion Sanders and the crew are coming to Fort Worth expectations for this Colorado team are very high. If anybody watched Pac-12 football last season, this Colorado bunch was one of the worst Power 5 programs in all of college football. It was an absolute struggle. TCU won this game pretty handily last season despite the Chandler Morris injury. Max Duggan came in during the second half and did a really nice job of controlling the game. He had some really nice runs. The offense started to pick up a little bit of steam. TCU took good care of the football, didn't make too many mistakes, and the defense was dominant. But this is a very different group. Again, Deion Sanders coming in from Jackson State had a very successful run there. His son, Shadur Sanders, is going to be the starting quarterback. And you have some really, really tremendous young talent on this roster, specifically Travis Hunter, who is a former five-star player, a two-way standout, and I think is projected to be a starter at wide receiver and cornerback for mm -hmm. Colorado this season. Also, Cormani McLean, who is a five-star freshman cornerback. I'm really excited to see how TCU's wide receivers, this will be a nice little test to start the season, I think, going up against some really talented young players in Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter, but there's been a, a massive influx of new players outgoing players the the transfer portal has almost run through boulder colorado this offseason because there's just been a uh, an unprecedented amount of movement on that roster but uh anthony i know you uh spoke with some colorado folks recently uh what are your thoughts early thoughts on this matchup and just some of the challenges that you think this group could present Yes, you'll see uh, our full interview with Buffalo's Wire. Uh, Tony Casalo will be posted on frogsofwar.com um, later this week. But yeah, I think that confidence is really high out of Colorado. I mean, they they know they have a lot of talent. 
They know that, you know, they've brought in good coaches, um, bringing in the Kent State head coach to be the offensive coordinator um, in offense that at Kent State in the MAC was very impressive and kind of an exciting um, offense to run. So I, I think that they feel like they're going to score a lot of points. So I, I think as much as, yes, I, I'm excited to see how TCU's receivers stack up against uh, the those defensive backs for Colorado, I, I really am excited to see, like we just said, that defensive backfield for TCU to stack up against um, – you know, Jimmy Horn and Travis Hunter as receivers catching passes from Shador Sanders. I think that um, Colorado certainly expects to have an explosive offense, and that's the kind of thing that, um, yeah, obviously was missing from the – pretty much everything was missing from their team last year, frankly, but um, was the kind of thing that if they had had even a little bit of an explosive offense against TCU, I mean, they were right in that game through halftime. I think it was a one point lead for TCU. If they, if they hit a few more plays there, it's, it's a much different conversation towards the end of that game than it ended up being. So, um, I think that Colorado absolutely has the weapons. Um, we just have no idea how it will look on the field. Um, but, you know, there's social media stuff coming out. Obviously, with all of the Deion Sanders kind of the, the media circus that follows him wherever he goes and this Colorado team, Big Noon Saturday will be in Fort Worth at Eamon G. Carter, uh, you know, pr- there before the, the game on Saturday. It's, it's going to be an interesting show. Uh, but, you know, this is definitely not one of those that TCU can sleep through um, by any means. Colorado is going to be ready to play and and certainly has the weapons this year. Yeah, I definitely think this is going to be must-see TV. It's not your typical trap game by any stretch because I think expectations are much higher for this Colorado team. And I think you and I, Anthony, both know how TCU can win this game. And it really goes back to what the Frogs did well last season in that the Frogs did not make too many self-inflicted mistakes. They took care of the football. They methodically moved the ball down the field. They were able to hit big plays. You didn't see too many mistakes on special teams. The defense should be much improved from last year. But how how could Colorado make this interesting? You know, is there something Colorado could do or something TCU can't do that could make this a closer contest or even put the Buffaloes on top, what should TCU fans be on the lookout for when this game kicks off on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I'm really concerned about some of the uh, big playability that these guys will will come with. I have been driving the Alton McCaskill hype train for like three years. Um, he used to be at, at Houston. He was the American Conference uh, Freshman of the Year a couple years ago. He tore his ACL uh, right before last season, or I guess last spring. And so he has now transferred from Houston to Colorado and is uh, the running back. Um, and I think he will be probably the starting running back. And he is a, man, he is a scary running back. He's got power he's got speed and he's got moves and i it's where if that tcu defensive line and you know front six 
is is not ready or or finds himself out of position and he's the kind of guy who can put you out of position uh with his agility and his speed so um i would say it's it's those big plays where uh you know something just a little lapse Tra- uh, like we've said with Travis Hunter is just he's a supreme talent he was the number 1 overall recruit a couple years ago um that's that guy can can make plays and if you allow him to get one or two and if they're just hanging around late i think that's where you know i i think TCU will have a lead in this game will have an opportunity to be putting the game away and if they don't if they allow um Colorado to hang around and begin getting that belief that that real faith that they can go and take this upset um that's where things can start to get scary for the horn frogs so uh you know i think yes TCU is three touchdown favorites and maybe we're being a little bit too conservative in our, our analysis here, but I think it's just because there's so much unknown about this Colorado team. And there's so, so much talent here that, um, you know, three touchdowns feels like a lot. You know, I think when this game kicks off, there are going to be a couple of players who will step up to the challenge and have a really nice, performance and we'll have some content coming out here on frogs award this week as we get ready for this game and we'll have a staff roundtable that poses some questions and one of those questions is who is going to be the offensive playmaker of the game for tcu and who is going to be the defensive playmaker of the game my eyes are going to be on chandler morris and it's kind of an obvious choice but i think just how things transpired last year with not just the knee injury in the second half, but Chandler Morris, frankly, struggled a bit in the first half. He was missing some throws, and the Frogs didn't really move the ball all too well in that early going. They had the big special teams play from Darius Davis that helped spark things, but I think Chandler Morris is going to come out and look to prove himself in this game. I think this is really a a make-or-break season for him. He's a fourth-year sophomore, and he hasn't really played a whole lot of meaningful football and this is his second chance to be the man for, for TCU. And I think he's going to come out in front of the home crowd and put on a show and have a great performance for the frogs. And then on the defensive side, Dominic Williams had a really nice game against Colorado last year, uh, taking the field at the age of 17 as a true freshman playing nose tackle and, and really putting the college football world on notice, I think he's going to come back and be really disruptive in this game. And he's going to have an opportunity to uh, put the clamps on, on McCaskill, who's going to be looking to sort of relaunch his career with Colorado after the injury. So uh, Anthony, any individuals that you're going to be keeping your eyes on in this game? Yeah, I think for offensively, I think it's that running back duo of Bailey and Sanders. I think that that's where TCU shouldn't need to get cute in this game. I know it's like, I don't know, it's it's like caveman football belief of like, just run the dang ball. But this is a case where I, I think TCU should be able to get what it needs on the ground game here. And I think that whomever it is that's getting the lion's share of the carries, or if it's an even split or whatever, but Bailey and Sanders, I, I think is where TCU needs to just 
show their power over this this Colorado team. Um, you know, I I think there might be some danger in getting overly pass happy in this one. We know Cormani McLean, Travis Hunter on those that defensive back, Shiloh Sanders even at safety. Um, you don't want to give them an opportunity to be a hero. I think I, I would just shove it down their throat and, you know, get your six yards of carry and get each of those guys, two touchdowns a piece and, and walk away with a, with a win. That's, that's what I want to see from TCU offensively. Um, defensively, I think it's Jamoy Hodge. I think I think Jamoy Hodge is about to have a superstar game where the whole of college football world knows who he is after this game. Um, I think he's going to find his way to Shador Sanders. I think he's going to find his way to Alt McCaskill, and he's going to find his way to uh, some of those receivers, those those little receivers trying to cross in front of him in the middle of the field. I think Jamoy Hodge is about to um, really wreck shop this week and and TCU I guess our way if we're getting into getting into position or mm-hmm. predictions here soon I think I think TCU comes away with with a, a big time win here um I, I didn't put a score down on the sheet I guess we didn't we didn't do that this time but I think I'm thinking in the like uh I don't know 41 to 14 range um and Maybe that's maybe that's too confident in in what TCU comes out and does against this new Colorado team, but that's that's kind of where I'm seeing. I think Colorado will score. Colorado will find ways to move the ball, but I think TCU will score a lot and will find ways to stop Colorado more often. Um, and you know the Carter's going to be rocking. It's going to be a crazy atmosphere. It's going to be a hundred degrees at. 11 a.m. and uh, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere for football. And I think TCU comes out and really shows, like, okay, yes, we heard from you all off season about 65 to seven, 65 to seven, okay, and, and all about Deion Sanders and Coach Prime and Louis Bags and all of that. All right, well, we're going to go show you why we are who we are, and I think that's. That's what TCU comes out and does on Saturday. You mentioned that it's a three touchdown spread, and I I'm right at the 41 point mark with you. I did get my uh, the article is not out yet; it's still on our dashboard. But I put 41 to 20 as my final score prediction. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said in the sense that I think Colorado will find a way to to score some points. But I just don't envision this Buffalo's defense getting a whole lot of stops against this offense. Even if Cormani McLean and Travis Hunter have a good game on the outside, I think the plethora of weapons that TCU could put in the slot and also in the red zone with guys like Jared Wiley, who's six seven, oh, yeah. and Savion Williams, who's six five. I just I don't see Colorado getting too many stops on the defensive side of the ball in, in this game. So my my prediction would be 41 to 20 TCU over the future Big 12 foe Colorado and I think the Frogs will start the season 1 and 0. Just a reminder, uh TCU is in the preseason top 25. I believe the Frogs were uh 17 in the AP top 25 and 16 Correct. in the USA Today 
coaches poll. So TCU is getting a little bit of respect before the season starts. And I think, as you said, the Carter is going to be hopping on Saturday. It is going to be hot. So please take whatever necessary precautions are needed. Drink plenty of water, wear light clothing, but wear your purple and white and get ready to cheer on TCU because football is back. Anthony, anything else that you want to add about this matchup against Colorado this weekend? I Yeah, not, not really. I think I'm just, I'm just pumped for football, man. I think getting everybody back out there, I think we all need to see this team back on the field again. Um, you know, I got to, to have that a little bit with the, the fall practices um, to get out there, but I think TCU fans are really ready to go support this team again, support Sonny Dykes and, and support their Horn Frogs. So it's, it's going to be fantastic. And I'm just, I'm just really ready for, for this game to get going. And, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, we've got a very exciting season ahead for us yet again here in Fort Worth. Now to transition into some of the other TCU sports that have kicked off their seasons, TCU soccer has already played three matches. The Frogs came in as a preseason top 10 team. TCU hosted SMU on August 17th, first match of the season. Frogs emerging with a 1-0 win. Gracie Bryan had the game winner, for TCU in that matchup, A.J. Hennessy with the assist. Lauren Kellett pitched a shutout with five saves. So TCU coming out with a 1-0 win over the Ponies from Dallas on August 17th. Setting up a top 10 matchup between TCU and Florida State in Fort Worth on Sunday, August 20th. This was a, a very difficult matchup against a very good team. Florida State coming in at number six in the country. 0-0 score at halftime. Unfortunately, the Frogs just not able to get a whole lot going offensively. And then Florida State with two second-half goals midway through the second half, one in minute 70, the other one coming right after in minute 73. Seminoles win 2-0, to dropping TCU to 1-1. One and, one. and then just uh, earlier today, TCU taking on another top-10 team in Penn State, number eight team in the country. TCU did drop from number nine to number 16 prior to this matchup. And then another low scoring defensive battle, 0-0 score at halftime again. But unfortunately, another defensive lapse for the Frogs in the second half as a corner kick leads to a goal in the 77th minute off a header. Uh, Nittany Lions win this one 1-0. So, Anthony, I'm not sure how much soccer you've caught to start this season, but for TCU, one only one goal over these first three matches. Is that a surprise or kind of expected? Yeah, I think it's a big surprise. I think it's um, we're we're getting into a little bit of a concerning territory here. Yeah, I watched all of those first two matches. Were on ESPN Plus, um, and yeah, that the SMU game it was just a little bit tentative. I mean, it was like 107 degrees at kickoff. It was it was crazy hot, humid. Um, so it was, it was a little bit like, okay, we understand why maybe maybe that offensive explosion hasn't happened yet. That Florida State game was an absolute battle. I mean, like physical takedown. It was it was a, a a real slobber knocker. It was a real tough battle between those two, and a lot of fouls, uh, a lot of fouls uncalled. One probably penalty that went uncalled where Gracie Bryan was taken down from behind in the in the box and didn't call it a penalty and 
you know, that would have uh, put TCU up one nothing there. But yeah, and then Florida State is a very strong program, uh, has been for a long, long time. And uh, eventually, it seems like maybe this year just TCU doesn't have the horses, doesn't have the level of depth that it had a year ago or in years past and certainly doesn't have the striking. I mean, obviously, Messiah Bright is now lighting up the NWSL. I think she's like fifth in the league in in goals scored Mm -hmm. as a rookie. Um, She's having a tremendous season at the pro level, but the the Horn Frogs are really missing her uh, back here in Fort Worth. So um, I didn't get to watch any of this Penn State game. It was on like some Big Ten premium plus some, I don't know, whatever, but they, they, they had it behind a deep paywall that I, I couldn't get through. So uh, I didn't see any of that. I saw some highlights of this goal and it was, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really know. I think it was just, like you said, a, a defensive lapse there, but um, the lack of scoring here, one goal through three games is uh, that's obviously not going to get the job done. So I think these, certainly these two losses are against top 10 teams and top programs in the country that will certainly be in the, in the NCAA tournament at the end of the season. So, you know, you don't want to get too far down on, on what TCU has here, but TCU always schedules difficult like this. And, you know, I I think once we get into big 12 play, things might settle down a little bit, but right now, uh, at least offensively, the TCU soccer is struggling. Mm-hmm. And TCU Volleyball also had a couple of really tough matches to start the season. TCU traveled to Minneapolis, Minnesota for the Big Ten versus Big 12 Challenge, which I believe is an annual challenge. TCU took on two of the best programs in the entire country in Minnesota and Wisconsin. TCU actually did face Wisconsin last year in the NCAA tournament in the second round after beating Washington and got put down pretty quickly by the the Badgers, who are number two in the country. Golden Gophers are number seven in the country. These matches took place Friday and Saturday. Uh, TCU came out and took the first set against Minnesota and just unfortunately was not able to regather that momentum. Played a very tough fourth set, but ultimately did lose on Friday to Minnesota. Three sets to one, uh, 25-20, 16-25, 15-25, and 23-25. Quite a few new players for TCU. The most notable thing that I saw was Audrey Knowles, the All-Big 12 preseason honoree, did not play in either of these matches, so I'm not sure if there's an injury concern there. But uh, TCU did get a good game from Jalen Gibson, who had a double-double, 13 kills and 11 digs, first career double-double for her. Riley Buckley, the setter transfer from Missouri, had a really nice weekend. 33 assists in the match against Minnesota, 24 assists in the match against Wisconsin. Melanie Parra from Texas was named all-tournament team, had a really nice performance against the Gophers. 13 kills, 4 aces, and 4 block shots. Also, Brianna Green, the transfer middle blocker from Denver, had 3 blocks in her TCU debut. So, a lot of new pieces on this roster under head coach Jason Williams, who is in his second season at TCU. The Frogs took on Wisconsin Saturday, and it was a pretty decisive 3-0 loss. Um, Wisconsin had two long runs to start each of the first two sets, and TCU battled back in the third set, almost took it, but just came up a few points short. 16-25, 19-25, 21-25 were the set scores. 
for that one. Julia Adams and Jalen Gibson each had seven kills. Riley Buckley again with 24 assists. Taylor Riola and Jalen Gibson combining for 14 digs. So TCU starting off 0-2, but the Frogs will have a chance to pick up their first win of the season this coming weekend. They will travel to Coastal Carolina for a three-team tournament out there. Uh, Some more uh, winnable matches there as opposed to this first weekend going up against two of the top eight teams in the country. So we will keep our eyes on that and we will continue to bring all of the latest and greatest in TCU sports at Frogs of War online at www.frogsofwar.com. Continue to follow us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Frogs of War, and also continue to Listen to us here on what is now, again, the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast as we continue to bring you the latest in in TCU sports. And just a reminder, we are partnered with the 1012 Network. If you would like to support the podcast or support the network, please consider donating to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TN12 Network. Also, Charlie Hustle. Again, this stuff sells itself. Go online, charliehustle.com, 15% off your order with the promo code FROGSOWAR. And then once again, prize picks, use the code FROGS12, $100 deposit, 100% match if you want to play some daily fantasy sports. So with that, folks, we will sign off. I am Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North, and we will sign off with a Go Frogs. Get your frogs up.